Thank you, Father God, for, for meeting with us this morning. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the living word, Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we explore the written word this morning, that uh, we will see with the eyes of faith more of the living word, more of the living word. Open our eyes this morning, open my eyes. Uh, I think back to what John was saying on that first week about the penny dropping, and I ask that, that, that pennies may drop as we dwell upon the marvels of what it is to be in Christ, what it is to be saved by grace, what it is to be seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful truths. Oh, Lord, we just so want our eyes opening. Amen. Um, I'm going to be speaking on uh, Ephesians 2. Um, broadly speaking, the theme for this week is saved by grace. But uh, the thing that I think is more interesting, in a sense, uh, is that this passage tells us how that works. How are you saved by grace? And, and what does that in, involve? So let me just read Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And you... He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among, all, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see how these words are piling up. He's running out of words to describe how kind God has been to us. Um, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. So I'm just going to pick up on three key moments in this passage. And the first key moment really is in verse 2, in which he once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And in, this is the first of three blind spots, I think, that we tend to have as Westerners, um, those of us who are typically Western and, and have all the weaknesses of being Western. Uh, 
uh, will identify with this, is that we tend not to really see the reality of the spiritual realm. Uh, we don't understand that there, is, that, that there are spiritual beings who share the atmosphere with us. They're not heavenly, but neither are they physical. They're somewhere in between. They're in this middle zone. And, and Paul understood that realm, and certainly the Ephesians understood that realm. If you've read Acts 19, you will see that uh, there are so many uh, magicians and witches uh, in, in Ephesus that they piled up their magic books as soon as they found Christ. They piled up their magic books and burned the lot because they lived life absolutely terrified of these spirits. We no longer know what the prince of the power of the air was. It's, it's a phrase that must have meant something to them, but it's lost to us now. We don't know what or who this prince of the power of the air was. Uh, but certainly it, there's, some, there's a reference to some kind of spiritual thing, some kind of spiritual entity that orchestrates the bad things that happen to us. Um, and I guess the only, the only people we have in our world are people who live in Sherwood, people who are like that, uh, people who live in Sherwood. There's the, what is it, the, the, the Magic Moon? There's a shop, isn't there? What's it called? Mystic Moon. It's the Mystic Moon, isn't it? The Mystic Moon shop. I keep wanting to go in there to see what's, what it's like, but I keep being too afraid in case some kind of demon starts to sort of have a control on my life. But... Um, <laughs> And actually, I, I know a real-life ghostbuster. There's this guy. He's an amazing guy. Matthew Arnold. Look up his website. It's amazing. Matthew Arnold is a Methodist minister who is a pioneer minister who, who's been sent into places like psychic fairs, mind-body-spirit fairs. And he does things like set up a stool in a psychic fair. And instead of giving you a palm reading, he'll give you a prophecy. And it's amazing. And he will, if you want him to go and exercise a ghost from your house, he will go. And he will do all the things that a minister would do and, and drive out the ghost from your house. He's a remarkable uh, person. And, he, and I think the one thing that, that I admire is that he's not afraid. I would be too scared. I would be too scared of all these demons and ghouls and things I don't know anything about. But he's not. And this is the thing that... Um, this is the key difference that Paul wants to achieve in the, in the Ephesians. He's, he doesn't, notice he doesn't say to them, don't be silly, those things don't exist. You don't have to worry about ghosts and, and demons and curses and, and, and magic and all that stuff. It's just fairy tales. It's just Harry Potter. Not that he knew about Harry Potter in those days. But um, he, he doesn't say it doesn't exist. And we know from Ephesians 6 that he agrees with them. He agree, yeah, yeah, you, you're right. Our, our war is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. He agrees with their assessment of spiritual realities, but he doesn't agree with how afraid they are and the way they were dealing with them uh, through works, and that's why he addresses works later on. And their works were that you, 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 you get a book full of spells, and there's this, it's, there's this book called the Ephesia Grammatur, which actually is a magic book that they discovered in the Ephesus region. So this was a real sort of center of that sort of thing. So you've got all these books of spells, mostly just nonsense words. Uh, Askai Kaitaskai was their favorite one. It's kind of like a Greek equivalent of abracadabra. Uh, various mixtures of Jewish terms and pagan terms all mixed in together. Um, 
So they reckon that you, that you had to sort of try to control the spiritual realm. You have to have control over it. And, and Paul's saying, no, you're not the one that needs to get control over it. You just need to recognize where you are. Recognize where you are. Um, can't see for toffee. Blind is back. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, yeah, that's where I was coming to. Um, yeah, and I, and I think sometimes, you know, we, sometimes we get those perfect storms, don't we? You ever, get, you ever get a week like that where you think it was just a coincidence, you know? Someone phones you just when you're right at that moment when you're feeling absolutely at the end of your patience or... We had one week a while back. Uh, we, we, it, 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 yeah, we were running a hub, and I don't know if it was anything to do with that, because I didn't think this hub was that amazing, that the devil would be really annoyed about it. But we had, a, 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 <laughs> we had this week where uh, the cat got run over. No, there was a break-in, there was a break-in, and then the cat got run over, and then the, the, break, the person who, uh, who broke in came back the following night to try and finish the job. All they were after was this... Um, document box that looked like it had important documents in it and they must have been so gutted because inside it was just blank Christmas cards <laughs> uh, but uh, we ended up hosting a hub with, 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 the, how, with the wind howling through a, a great big hole in the window you know, it was, it was an awful week uh, and then the day after the electric car not unusual actually, the electric car my little Nissan Leaf only goes 80 miles uh, it ran out of charge, and I, got, I was stranded and had to be recovered home. Uh, so we had one of those weeks, and you think, well, yeah, it's just coincidence. But no, there are times, aren't there, when, when something, some entity is orchestrating these, these evil things, and we have to know where we are. We have to know where we're seated, and that, comes to our, that brings me to our next sort of moment, our next big moment which is uh, verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And this deals with a second blind spot in Western culture. This idea that we can be so in union with Christ. We don't understand what it is to be in union. We are individualists, aren't we? We just think it's, you know, I think back to that song uh, Mama Cass sang in 1969. Um, this really awful, it's an awful song, really. And she says, um, make your own kind of music. Sing your own special song. Make your own kind of music. See, we're all individualists. We've all got to find ourselves, haven't we? And today is all about finding your authentic self, finding who you are. Finding your identity. Uh, and our individualism seems to find new ways of expressing itself with each new generation. But we never move away from it. We never get over ourselves enough to recognize that we're not individuals. We're not isolated, buffered selves. We are porous to others. We are porous to the spiritual realm, porous to God. So there's this, there's this blind spot which prevents us from understanding the most crucial thing about the Christian life, the most crucial thing, which is our union with Christ. You never even hear it taught that much, do you? Uh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll introduce you to my book on the subject in a, in a few moments. But 
thanks to this union, we are raised with the same power that raised Christ, and we are elevated to the same elevation. Let me just backtrack slightly to chapter 1. And what is the exceeding greatness, chapter 1, verse 19, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named. So what Paul then goes on to say in 2 verse 6 it directly follows on from that. He's saying everything I've just described there, that power that raised him and seated him is yours. It's yours as well. It's yours as well. Uh, but no matter how many times I tell that to myself, no matter how many times I say to myself, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, you've got power and authority over these things, uh, I don't quite believe it. I don't quite believe it. Because we've been raised to believe that we're on our own, that we're individualists. So I think one of the keys to understanding this, and I'll ask your help in a minute because... Yeah, I, I need pictures, I need, I need metaphors, I need, I need ways of seeing this. But I think Paul is working with an idea of faith that he would have inherited from his Judaism. Uh, and that view of faith is that faith isn't just believing that a certain set of things are the case. It involves that, of course. But faith is placing yourself inside God. Psalm 90, verse 1 Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shadow of the Almighty shall abide and say of the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. To trust in God is to make him your fortress, is to locate yourself in him. It's to, it's to flee to the strong tower that is the name of the Lord it's to dwell within him and under his wings. That's what faith is, according to the Jews. And what you find in Paul, I think, is his efforts to try to translate that idea for Gentiles, people like us lot. And he uses the picture of the head and the body. He even uses the picture of uh, sexual unions in, in, in one 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he says that in just the same way as a, a sexual union makes one flesh out of the two, so you have now become one spirit with Jesus. So he uses various ways of trying to get the idea across. But here's your task. Here's what I want to, here's what I want to ask you to do. Just have a chat with your neighbor or whoever's close to you and see if you can help me out here. Because I, I, like, like Paul, I'd love to find some way of picturing it that might help my mind to get free of my individualism, because I, I still see myself as an individual. Uh, I, 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 there's a blind spot in terms of seeing myself as in union with Christ, or indeed in union with you guys. And I think there's an insight for the church as well, isn't there? So have a chat. See if you can come up with any pictures. What are what are picture, what what sort of um, Metaphors can we come up with that from today's culture that help us understand what it is to live in union with and to dwell within someone? Does that make sense?
See what you can come up with anyway. I'm ready to jot down your ideas if you've got any. I will, if, 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 if it ends up appearing in a book of mine, I will give you full credit for it, but I'm desperate for these uh, ideas. Have you got any ideas? How do we picture this? Yeah. Huh? Two-part epoxy resin. You've lost me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not an engineer. It's how glue, it's how glue works. Uh, okay. Maybe go with, uh, let's go with orange. Uh, orange squash. Orange squash. Water and you can eventually more juice. The vitamin makes something different. Oh, yeah, yeah. The taste of this, the combination of two chemicals makes something that's different consistency and has different usefulness, which the individual one alone will do. That's it. No, it does sound fascinating. So, uh, just so I can look it up myself, uh, what's the spelling? A A P O E P E P. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. A burn. A pen. Ink. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's like the vine and the branches a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's much, much easier for me. John. My mind went, uh, being an ancient one, to um, the, the, the phrase of Queen Victoria when she expressed herself that she said, we are not amused. Oh, yes. Uh, representing the whole of the monarchy. Right. She was speaking as an individual, but recognising she, the sum of her parts was greater. 
Good. Thanks, John. I understand that one, yeah. Uh, there was someone over here that I didn't get to. Uh, yeah, Sue. There's a lot of content there, isn't there? Um, so, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to think about there. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, Sandra. Russian dolls, yeah. Like it. I love it. I love it, yeah. So Christ in us, we're in Christ, and so it goes on. Yeah, great. It's, it's a hit, Sandra, definitely, yeah. Uh, anybody else? Yeah. Paul also does talk about buildings, doesn't he, when he's talking about the church as well, so that's good. Uh, yeah. We went to a three-legged race. <laughs> well, we Three -legged. Yeah, so three-legged race. Oh, that's right, where you're, you're tied to, to someone, yeah. We're quite deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else? Yeah, go on. Family, yeah. Bargain for that. Anybody else? Um, yeah. I was reminded of uh, the little illustration that I tried to bring out in the last talk, which was about uh, a clear bucket of water and two tins of uh, baked beans, one of them often and the other one still with its contents. The open one allows. Water in 
So it is in water and water is in it. Yeah, yeah. The closed one is in the water, but uh, he doesn't let water in. Yeah. The emphasis being maybe the preferred one would be the empty one, which has allowed water in while it is in the water as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that works as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, because it, it, yeah, the the combination of us being in and him being in us as well. Yeah, that that works. Um, yeah, fantastic. So hopefully, I think that kind of thing is a remedy. I don't. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine. I, I listened to um, Premier Praise a fair bit, but there's they often say this is the channel that will get you close to God, and. Um, uh, and one of them often uses that phrase, or, you know, just we, we're going to have a time now of prayer. It's the top of the hour, so we're going to get close to God. We're going to get you closer to God. And, uh, and then you often find teachings about prayer, don't you, where, where you get right with God in the mornings. You get, you, you get to God. You go to God in the mornings. And then presumably you leave God when you go to work uh, and you come home again still without God, uh, and then you, in the morning you repent of all the sins you've done while you were away from God, and you get close to God again, you get right with God again. And I think that's really annoying because it, it totally cuts against what we've just been exploring, isn't it? Which is that we're already there. I um, came up with a little devotion at the end of one of the chapters of my book, One with Christ, just to help anyone that might be sort of in that place. And I said this, spend a moment to change the way you think about your position. Jesus Christ is not atop a rickety and dangerous ladder, and you are not trying rung by rung to reach him. Knowing you will fail, a rung will break and you will slide back to where you were. Instead, see him as where you are. He is kicking away that ladder and wants to walk and talk with you now. So we are already there we're already seated with Christ in the heavenly places let me just come to the next just very briefly um, how long have I got Rachel yeah it's gone half past the really typical isn't it yeah, um, uh, so yeah uh, the next blind spot really I think uh, comes in in, in verse 10 the, what for us is a blind spot for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. I've got a quote here from, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you where it's from because I want you to guess. I used to float, now I just fall down. I used to know, but I'm not sure now, what I was made for. What was I made for? Who, what, what movie is that from? Barbie, Barbie yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, and so it, it kind of encapsulates what people are longing for today. And I think the reason why people are longing to find out what they were made for is because our culture has taught us from a very, very, very young age that we came into being by chance. We, now, I've got nothing against theories of evolution necessarily. I, I don't know how everything came into be. I wasn't there. But uh, I think that, that it... it it instills in us this sense that, oh, you know, there was primeval sludge, and then there was dinosaurs, and then somehow, for some random reason, there's this new species that emerges that is uniquely conscious of itself and wants to relate to God or wants to achieve something. 
And there's no explanation for that. And it's a kind of catechism of meaninglessness that we're given right from a very, very early age. And we have to break free of it just to see ourselves as made. I didn't just happen. I was made. A bit like Barbie, I guess, and Ken. Uh, I, was, I was made. I was made. That's a credible quote, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Uh, it's been a wonderful thing just to realize I'm made, I'm created, created for a purpose. And once again, I can't see a thing. Um, yeah, your life did not... So here's a quote from Sartre. I've quoted from him before just because I, I, I like how miserable he is. Every, every existing thing is born without reason, prolongs itself out of weakness, and dies by chance. So on that note, I just thought I'd... Um, finish today's today's uh, sermon so obviously you know that's uh, that's not true but um, yeah so there, there are three things there really aren't there one is realize where you are uh, when when there seems to be orchestrated opposition in your life realize where you are you haven't got to try and do anything to it as such you just need to realize where you are put your faith in Christ and uh, and realize that the, reason, that the reason why you are where you are is because of this union with Christ. And, and I, I, for one, want to carry on exploring that to see if I can break out of this individualist brainwashing that I've received all the way through my life and realize... Did you know this? The, the, the very word, the English word person, is the original meaning of it, the original root, means from another. I didn't realize that until, until well, a few years ago. Um, so a person is never an individual a person is a relational being we, are, we need one another and we need God and we, we don't exist on our own in that sense okay alright so, so there, there we are and, th and then of course we're created for a purpose and we need to discover that let me just uh, pray and uh, I will just uh, try to encapsulate all that thank you Lord Thank you, Father God, so much. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. I pray for those who this week have gone through a time of orchestrated opposition. I declare that Jesus is Lord. And in the name of Jesus, I command those evil forces to retreat. I pray for those for whom prayer is a drudgery and there seems to be a deadness that creeps over their life with you. I pray that um, you would open their eyes to where they are, to the wonders of this living and vital union with Christ. And may their prayer life enjoy a second springtime, a new springtime. And I pray for those who may have prayed repeatedly that you would show them what they're here for, what their purpose is, what their gifts are, and seem to have got no response. I pray that you would yet show them these marvelous things that they were made for. I pray that it will yet become clearer and clearer and clearer what it is they're here to do. 
I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.